Good morning and welcome to the NCSA Mental Health Devotion. My name is Nandi Fleming and I'll be your host for this morning's worship. Before we start, let us pray. Lord Jesus, in a world where we're living in, where there's so much pain and so much sorrow, Lord, we, we seek for healing. We, we, we often go looking for things that will help us to feel better. And, and sometimes we get ourselves in a mess because of this. Sometimes we end up involved in things that, that are not safe and that are harmful. Um, sometimes it's our own bad practices, habits that we partake in. But sometimes we truly go looking for truth and we find false theories. And, and I pray, Lord, that as we are in this world and we are truly seeking help, we are truly seeking healing, Lord, that you will be our healer, that you will be our great master counselor and physician, and that with all our troubles and sorrows, Lord, that we will come to you, and whatever is out there in this world, that we will test it according to your word, so that we will not be deceived. And Lord, that we will find healing, not just because we want healing, but because it is you that brings us that healing. Bless us now in your name, I pray. Amen. For our verse this morning, I'd like to read for you from the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12. It says, There is a way that appears right unto a man, but the end of it leads to death. The title for my talk this morning is, Not All Healing Practices Are Safe. So, there's a verse in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, that says, Let not anyone deceive you. And I wholeheartedly believe that in the world that we live in, Satan is out to deceive us in any way possible. And he would even use good means in order to get us to depart from the ways of God and to to get involved in things which will lead us into losing our salvation. And I believe with my whole heart that everything that we need in order to be healed um, is contained for life, for healing, for happiness, is contained in the Bible. Just like Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, it says, by his divine power. God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So, you know, sometimes we end up feeling very low and and we want to have that life, you know, that life that is filled with happiness and joy and peace and healing. And and I believe that the Bible is telling us that, you know, um, sometimes we get ourselves involved in practices and in things that are not so good for us and, and that we truly need to come unto the Lord because he has everything that we need. And anybody that tells you any differently, um, you know, should not be listened to. Of course, there are practices out there that is not extremely outlined by the Bible, but we can test them by the Bible to see whether or not they are good or whether they are not um, in the right way, whether they're bad. So if you are feeling low or you're feeling down in the dumps, my question to you this morning is where do you go? Where do you go to find healing? Where do you go to find solace? Where do you go to practice um, things that you can do in order to feel better? Where do you learn your truth? Where do you go for guidance when you feel lost? Where do you search for answers to life's problems? Where do you go to find holistic healing, both mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually speaking? Do you go to the ancestors? Do you perhaps, you know, go to a prophet and ask him or her to help, to a sangoma, a witch doctor, fortune tellers? Maybe you go to a hypnotist, which can help you to make your addiction go away, or to somebody that's going to tell you about your future, or maybe to any kind of religious practice that you can find out there. And and the internet and the world and even psychology and, and, and the world is full of many, many practices that 
are being promoted online, on television, on the radio, um, as a form of healing to say, if you're having this problem, try this. If you're having that problem, try that. Um, there's a little advertisement that often comes up on YouTube when I watch YouTube videos um, that says, um, it's about a guy who's a psychic that says the reason that he likes to be a psychic is because he likes to help people. And it seems very nice and it seems very beautiful, you know, even the way that he speaks, it's very kind, it's very, it's very nice. But my question is, is this the type of place where we as God's children would want to go in order to find healing, in order to find counsel, in order to find direction and truth for our lives so that we can live life in a holistic kind of way? Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 10 to 12 has become a very very um, powerful passage for myself in terms of helping me to understand that there are places where we should not go. When Israel entered into the promised land, the Lord strictly warned them that the practices of the heathen nations around them should not be followed. And specifically the practices when it came to worship and when it came to seeking answers and seeking truth and seeking healing. Deuteronomy 18 verse 10 to 12 reads as follows. It says, um, never sacrifice your son or dirt daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let your people um, practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because of these other nations that you have done these detestable things that the Lord your God is driving them out before you. And a lot of people will say today, you know, we might not have these kind of things, but they are all around us. We still see people who, who, who are psychics, people who are doing fortune telling, people who are doing divination, interpreting omens, um, busy engaging in kinds of spells and witchcrafts and all kinds of things all around us. And sometimes they're not, you know, we, we often say, you know, there's such a thing called dark magic and white magic or, you know, good magic or bad magic or whatever you want to call it. But the truth of the matter is, is that... Um, just because it's disguised in a, in a nicer cloak, just because it's somebody that's talking nicely and saying good words, doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it less detestable unto the Lord. Now, some of you might say, but what if it works? And this is a very important question to ask. When we go to fortune tellers, psychics, angomas, interpreters of omens, people who cast spells or give you potions to drink that's supposed to heal you, mediums, whatever it may be, what if it works? What if I go there and it works? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that we'll even see in the Bible that the Bible says that, um, you know, Satan also has power. And sometimes these things do work. If it didn't work, nobody would follow them. There are parts of these things which do contain power and do contain um, certain elements of, of healing in it. Um, but the problem with it is, is just because there is power in it doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it safe. Just because it works doesn't make it good and doesn't make it safe. It doesn't make it a godly practice to be following in. There's a saying that says that there is truth in all. But not all is truth. And this is something that we need to understand. In the world that we live in, we will find that there are many things that will be given to us. You know, um, practices, things that people say, this really works, try this. And, and there'll be good things in those things. But that doesn't make it all good. In other words, um, to use a little bit of a demonstration, if I bake a cupcake... If I add a spoon of sugar into the cupcake, 
It doesn't necessarily make the cupcake good if I've already added a whole cup of salt into the cupcake. And this is really what, what the saying is saying. It's saying that, you know, just because there's a little bit of good in something doesn't mean that you should practice it. We should always be striving for 100% truth, 100% good in the fear of the Lord. Um, and, and the Bible warns us that as we come to the end of the world, as we come to the close of the history of this earth, that truth will come very close to error. And that error will come very close to truth, to the point of where we will struggle to distinguish between the two. And the reason for this is because we are living in a world where many of us are immersed in error. We, we are bombarded with error all around us. We, we watch YouTube videos. We watch television. We, we listen to the things on the news. And the things that are out there are things of error, things that are mixing truth with error. It's not pure truth. It's not pure biblical truth that we find in the world out there. And we learn certain practices from these 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 social media outlets, if we could call it that. Um, we see people practicing things like hypnotizing, communicating with the dead or the ancestors on television. We see people finding answers in the star signs and consulting the dead and fortune telling in their future. We see people meditating and praying in very specific ways um, in the sense of how the world and other religions do it. And, and, and we're not saying that all of these things are 100% bad because like I say, there, there are things in these elements and in these practices that do work. Otherwise, people would not run after them. But the problem is where these practices originate. The problem is, is that when we go to these practices, we are we are busy com- um, doing things which are part of what God called in the Bible practices of the heathen nations, practices that are contrary to His Word, practices that has its roots in 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 in, in practices that Satan um, discovered and immersed into the world. Um, now, what I'm trying to say is, is that even though you find some good in something, doesn't mean you should be involved in it. You see, the thing about Satan is, is that he's very clever. He doesn't give us practices of healing or practices of life that is completely evil and dark and false. You see, Satan is very much into what we call counterfeits. He takes that which God has and he, he, he adds his own elements. He adds his own spice. It's kind of like taking a recipe and, and, and throwing a bunch of nonsense into it and still saying that it's good and then you still taste what is good in there but there's something quite not right there's something that's off about it and many of these practices that we find in the world today in social media are, are, are this kind of recipes that it's it's good but there's something off about it and there's something that's off about it is that there's practices in there that form part of Satan's way that form part of what the Bible in, interpreted and said was heathen practices so let's look at some of these counterfeits. Just to give you a bit of an example. In the world today, we see that Satan has gone and made a counterfeit church. We, we can see this if you Google it, satanic churches. We see that Satan, satanic churches exist all over the world. So Christ forms a church here on earth and Satan comes and he also makes a church, a church where you also worship and you also pray. But you're praying to not God, but you're praying to Satan. And then, of course, also other false religious um, systems that are out there. Jesus says that um, his children um, are all 
over the world. They, they exist not just only in the church of God, but they exist in some of these false belief systems. And even within the satanic churches, Christ says his children are everywhere. Um, he says in John 10 verse 16, I have other sheep too that are not of this sheepfold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and they will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus is saying that, you know, just because all of these systems exist doesn't make the people within them bad. He's saying my children are everywhere. It's just that they are deceived. They, they see the, the, the little bit of truth that are within these various institutions and practices and churches and religious organizations, and they see the good in it, but they, 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 they neglect to see the error. And in Revelation 18 verse 4, the Bible says in the last days, we are going to hear a voice, and it's not necessarily going to be an a, 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 a audible voice, but a voice of God calling people from heaven that says, come out of her, my people. Do not partake of her sins, and do not be punished together with her. The Bible is telling me that within many of these practices that promise good things, um, Christ is saying, um, come out of it. Because with the good mixed with error, when you partake of good as well as error, there is a punishment. Because there is sin as well as goodness. And we as Christ people cannot stand with our feet halfway in the world and halfway in Jesus. We cannot say when it suits me, I can go for healing to the practices of the world. And when it suits me, then I come to the practices of Jesus. Um, we see that Satan even counterfeited the Bible. You know, we see that there is such a thing as a satanic Bible. But there are also other many books of truth that are out there in the world today that is not biblical, that is not the Bible. And 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 calls us back to the scriptures. It says that in the Bible, in the word of God, we can find everything that we need. It says all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In other words, what we need for our life here on earth, we can find within the word of God. We do not need to go to these other books of truth or writings. Um, now, I'm not saying just read the Bible, but I'm saying that when we come to reading other things which we might find interesting or helpful, that we should measure it with the book of truth, the ultimate book of truth, which is the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. And then we see that Satan also does um, when it comes to healing, because this is really what we're talking about today. We're talking about mental health and physical health and holistic healing and, and where we go for our mental health and physical health and holistic healing. And we see that Satan is into performing what we call counterfeit miracles. He uses certain kinds of things which are counterfeit. And we see in Revelation 16 verse 14 that the Bible warns us that just because somebody is doing a miracle, that it is not necessarily from God. And that if we go to these people, we are standing with our feet half in the world, half in, 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 in God. We are we're deciding that we want both Satan and Jesus in our lives. And we see here in Revelation 16 verse 14 that the Bible warns us when we see these miracles happening, it says, when, when you see certain miracles happening, they are the spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the world to gather them together for war for that great day against the Almighty. In other words, here the Bible is saying is that we must be careful to just, just because somebody can do something good, just because somebody can do some miracle, we need to ask the question, who is behind this miracle? Who, who, who is doing this healing? Is it truly Jesus's power or is it Satan? Is it the power of the spirits of demons? We see counterfeit healing taking place. Um, in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9, the Bible warns ag us against counterfeit healing. It says, that is, the one who is coming in accord with these things are busy with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. Basically what it's saying here is, is it's saying that Satan can also perform miracles and do 
false wonders and heal people and do all kinds of things. And counterfeit prophets are usually the method that Satan uses to, to deceive us. Deuteronomy 13 verse 1 to 13 gives us another warning to say, be careful. In the world, there's going to be true prophets of God and they will follow the ways of the Bible. They will test everything and do everything according to biblical truths. But then you find those counterfeit prophets and healers and miracle doers out there that are going to go contrary to the word of God. And it says, here's, here's the warning and here's the advice that the Bible gives so that we can distinguish who is right and who is wrong. It says, suppose there are prophets among you, those who dream dreams about the future and promise you signs and miracles. And they predicted these signs and miracles and they do occur. But then they come and they say to you, let us worship some other gods, gods that you do not know before. The Bible says in verse 3, do not listen to them. The Lord your God is testing you to see if you truly love him with all your heart and soul. So over here, the Bible is giving a warning and saying that even false prophets, you know, they can predict things. They can, they can foretell the future. They can, they can promise you certain miracles and signs. And these miracles of healing and signs of miracles can happen. And, and, and sometimes we go to these people because we see that, hey, these things are happening which they're saying and, and I can find instant healing from them but the Bible is saying you need to test these people you need to test these practices which they're using to see whether they are scriptural to see whether it is according to God's ways to see whether they're not leading you away from God to other gods and other gods can be various things it can be the practices of people it can be Satan worship it can be many many things but the point is that we should remain loyal to God and God is saying through Deuteronomy 13 verse 1 to 13 that even if there's something out there that can offer you healing even if there's something that seems to be right you need to test it by the word of God to see whether it is truly right and then of course also counterfeit sacrifices is something that we often see um, um, telling the Bible where the Bible is saying that we shouldn't be involved in these things now the Bible warns against human sacrifices now I do know that in certain parts of the world this does still take place um, you know people sacrifice humans and they say that or even certain and animals and say that if I do a, a blood libation where I pour out blood and I make certain sacrifices, then the ancestors or the gods or whoever will hear me, somebody will hear me, and then I will receive some kind of healing. But the Bible tells us that this is not the way that we do things. Deuteronomy clearly says that these kind of sacrifices are not allowed. And in the Jewish system, yes, there were sacrifices of animals, but this was not for healing. Sacrifices of animals was a type of um, symbol that pointed to Jesus, the Lamb of God that would come. And once he died, we stopped offering these sacrifices. And Romans 12 verse 1 says to us that we no longer even do those sacrifices which were done in the Old Testament. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we see here an example, as I was going through the different counterfeits, that you can see there is a way that it is done in the world that the Bible speaks against, where it says, don't follow the practices in the heathen nations that they have, even though it's close to what we do, you know, even if they're going to church and they have a holy scriptures and they do miracles and healings and they've got prophets and they do sacrifices. There's a way that they do it. That's not OK. And there's a way that we as Christians do it. That is OK, that the Bible promotes. So we see that a lot of the practices that are out there in the world is practices that both God's children and those who are not part of God's children practice. But we practice 
express it in various different kinds of ways. The methods and the techniques that we use in doing certain things are not the same as the, the, the nations out there, as the world promotes it. And, and, and truly what we need to do is as we look around us, as we also have various nations and religious and beliefs and practices around us, what we should do is, is when we see them practicing specific things, we need to learn to be grounded in the Bible. We need to read our Bibles so that when they come with certain suggestions that we can test these suggestions and say, is this a biblical way of practicing this or is this a way that has deception, that has falsehood and that has Satan behind it? First Thessalonians 5 verse 21 says that we should test everything, everything that comes our way and everything that is recommended for healing. We should also test by the Bible. It says, but test everything that is said. Hold on to that which is good and discard that which is bad. In other words, use the Bible to test everything that is coming your way. The true test of whether something is from God is not does it work. We can clearly see through the biblical examples that many of the things of Satan can from time to time work as well. He does perform miracles. He does do signs and wonders. As a matter of fact, it says in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9, This man, the man of lawlessness, will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. Many false prophets will arise, says the Bible. So the question that we need to ask is not does it work or is it helping me the question that we should ask is is it biblical is it according to God's ways Matthew 7 verse um, 22 to 23 says on the judgment day many will come unto the Lord and say Lord Lord we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name but the Lord will reply I never knew you go away from me you who break the laws of God and this is extremely important when we go to seek healing from wherever we go to seek healing, we should always ask the question in the practices that we, we partake of, is this breaking the laws of God? Is this going contrary to the Bible? Because the Bible is telling me that when we partake of whatever practices that are offering healing to us, if it's breaking the law of God, then we are in trouble. Then the Lord might say to us in the end of the day, you know, you might have gone and say that this was done to you in the name of God. It was done to you through a prophet. It was done to you in the name of goodness and kindness and it was so nice but it was breaking my laws it wasn't going according to my practices and we really need to be careful because sometimes we become desperate when we are feeling low we are feeling down we are feeling like this world is becoming too much we become desperate to try anything and we try all kinds of things in order to bring healing into our lives but we are literally removing ourselves from God we are busy doing what the Bible calls putting one foot in the world and one foot in the Bible and the Lord says to him that that doesn't work. If you put your foot in the world, then you have chosen the world. So we always need to be careful and ask ourselves, what am I involved in? And does the Bible support this practice for healing? Is it truthful? Um, not just does it work or is it going to help me? Um, just because it works doesn't make it right. It is not necessarily a safe path or a good path for a child of God to be on. So I want to just today, just in sort of like ending off, um, speak to you about three practices which I have mentioned thus far in previous talks. Three practices which you will find in the world, but you can also find it in the Bible. They are termed different, they are named by different names, but they basically have some of the same elements, but they practice differently. And 
And if we are not careful, we can end up practicing it in the way of the world and not in the way of the Bible. So the three that I want to speak to you about today is the practice of mindfulness that we mentioned yesterday, meditation, which we've mentioned um, in previous talks, and also um, a mantra or a saying or a repetitive verse that you repeat. And these three practices I would just like to highlight for you because I've noticed that some have gotten a little bit confused when I use these words and, and exactly how I have used these words. So mindfulness. Mindfulness originally, the word mindfulness, um, we'll find in the world when you go read in the worldly literature, you will find that many people will say that the practice of mindfulness originates in the Buddhist tradition. Mindfulness um, has been separated from its roots and basically stripped from its ethical and spiritual connotations and sold as a therapeutic tool. So basically what clinicians have done is they've gone and they've, they've seen that there are some things within Buddhism that works. So they've seen the sugar in the cupcake and they've tried to extract the sugar into a therapeutic context where they've tried to teach us how to be mindful. And this is what I was, sh uh, I was sharing with you yesterday when I spoke about being mindful is basically to, to be aware, not to, to just walk around mindlessly, you know, not, not being able to concentrate and just missing out on the things of the world, but to be mindful. And we see that the, the clinical environment has extracted the sugar from the practice of what they think originates in Buddhism. And they've sold it as a therapeutic tool in order to gain mental health. Now, mindfulness in the Bible is quite different from how mindfulness is practiced in Buddhism as well as how it's practiced in the clinical context. I do find that there is, there is, there is, um, kind of truth in, 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 in all of them. Like I said, there's sugar in all of them. But why just have the sugar? Why not have the full cupcake? And we find the full cupcake in the Word of God. Mindfulness in the Bible is simply living in today. Appreciating all the beautiful gifts that God has given us right now and being thankful for it today and noticing it. Not worrying about the past or the future that is still coming, but to be mindful for what God has given you right here, right now. Mindfulness in other contexts can also mean taking in everything, but not just everything that is good, but everything that you're currently exposed to, whether it's bad or whether it's good, just be aware of it and don't, you know, sort of try to negate it. Now, this can become harmful. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 24 verse 3 that we should guard our hearts and minds. We shouldn't just allow anything and everything to come in. Um, it says, above all, guard your mind, that is your heart, for everything that flows from it gives you life. Psalms 8 verse 4 um, tells us, it says, what are mere mortals that you are mindful of him, that you should think of human beings, that you should care for them. And I like this verse because this verse is telling me that even in the Bible, there is such a thing as being mindful. The word being mindful is not some fancy word. It is a word that means that to think on something. And the Bible does call us to think. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus is mindful of us. He thinks of us. He cares for us. He doesn't just, and you know, mindlessly walk past us and not care. So basically the practice of mindfulness is to care, to care about what is going on around us, to, to, to see what is happening. Mindfulness is not to just let anything and everything in and be aware of the good and the bad and just accepting it for what it is. That's not, that's not what biblical mindfulness is. Biblical mindfulness, we see even Jesus calls us to think upon the things that are around us, to analyze it and to, to really think about that which is good. Matthew
Matthew 6 verse 27 and 26 um, says to us, it says, look at the birds of the air. You see here, Jesus is calling his people to be mindful of their environment. He says, for they neither sow nor they reap nor they gather in barns, yet their heavenly father feeds them. Why does Jesus want us to be mindful of the things that go on around us in nature and in our lives? Because we can learn certain lessons about it. When we become aware, when we think about what's happening around us, then we start to make sense of those things. Verse 28 says, so why do you worry about your clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the valley. In other words, be mindful. Look at the lilies of the valley. You see, they don't sew, they don't spin, they don't make clothes, but yet the Heavenly Father cares for them. So our Christian mindfulness is to be aware of what's going on around us so that we can learn certain life lessons from nature and from life and to be thankful for everything that God has given us. Christ calls us to observe and to think and to learn from creation and to be appreciative of everything that he has given us. So just because a saying is truthful doesn't make it all truth. And this is what I want to just remind you of. So just because mindfulness works doesn't mean we must practice it in the context of what Buddhism or any other religion necessarily states. You see, if we're Christian, we practice mindfulness in the way that the Bible recommends, not in the way that the world around us recommends. And then, of course, also um, when it comes to meditation, meditation, um, if we look at it, in the context of where the world goes to find the principles of meditation is to empty out your mind, to open up your mind completely, to remove everything that is in there and leave it open and sort of exposed to new experiences so that the good, that's what they say, can come in. Now the problem with opening up your mind is that um, opening up your mind can be completely dangerous. The Bible tells us that we need to guard our mind, just like the previous verse says. And, and meditation in the biblical context is completely the opposite of opening up your mind, just emptying it out and just leaving it exposed to who and whatever. Um, the Bible type of meditation is to fill your mind with the things of God. First Thessalonians 4 verse 15 and 16 says, meditate upon these things, give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto yourself and unto doctrine, continuing in them. For in doing these things, you will save your yourself and everybody that listens to you. So what is the Bible saying? What is biblical meditation? Biblical meditation is not to sit with your legs crossed, burning some incense or meditating and clearing out your mind for whatever needs to come in. It's actually purposefully and intently going to the word of God and filling your mind with the doctrines and the beliefs of the word of God. In other words, thinking and meditating upon the word of God and the things of God, that which is good. Jesus meditated on the word of God and, and the way that he did it was not by crossing his leg and burning incense or humming but Jesus meditated upon the word of God early in the morning and late at night he would go to an isolated secluded, secluded place and there he would think upon the word of God he would, uh, he would read the scriptures and after his meditation he would always kneel down and pray and this is truly what Christian meditation is. Christian meditation has a different word. We call it something different in the Christian context. We call it personal quiet time with the Lord, personal worship, where we go and we sit and we think upon the word of God, where we read the word of God and we think it over, we think it through. Meditation in other contexts 
often include what is called hypnosis. Um, hypnosis is something that is very dangerous and contrary to what the Word of God recommends. It is basically where you give control to your mind to another human being, and this is not safe. The Bible says that it is only God that should ever control our minds and our lives. And then, of course, the mantra, which I mentioned yesterday. This word slipped into my talk. And, and mantra, in, in the sense of where the word mantra originates from, um, its grassroots basically entail various types of things. It can be seen as a prayer or a repetition chant um, that doesn't necessarily have meaning. Now, we know that in the Christian context, we also pray. We also rep repeat certain things, but not without meaning. And the grassroots of a mantra or a, a saying, a saying that you repeat or a prayer that you repeat, um, the grassroots of it is that it is a repetition of a short phrase over and over again while sitting in a meditative pose um, and it's said by science that it can help you focus this is what science says so science and you'll see in the clini clinical context will say you know you can say these things over and over again and it will help you to concentrate it'll help you to focus but the deepest spiritual roots of it that is found in Buddhism for example is the repetition or the meditative practice of a particular mantra and because the reason why they do this is because it basically induces a trance-like state um, and where the participant is then led to a higher level of spiritual awareness and most mantras are without any particular verbal meaning and the different kinds of mantras that are used um, or psychic for psychic or spiritual purposes um, are therefore protecting them against evil um, psychic powers or things like that so we truly see that that the, the deeper grassroots of repeating a mantra as it is originates according to you know people who use it in Buddhism is, is something that is really something that puts you in a trance um, that, that kind of protects you against evil, spiritual, psychic things, spiritual forces and it kind of sounds like, like that verse in Deuteronomy where it says don't get involved in psychic psychic things don't get involved with being involved with people who use psychic powers um, you know to be in a trance um, to be removed from reality is not safe for the Christian to do and it kind of sounds like um, being having a chant or a spell or you know putting a chant or a spell on yourself by repetition um, getting involved in these kind of things which the Bible clearly forbids and and this is not what we are recommending and I believe that when clinical um, environments recommend that you have some kind of a saying that you repeat or that you meditate you know emptying out your mind or when you be mindful when they recommend these things many many of the clinical context goes and they find the sugar within the the bad cupcake but we see that you know these things are actually originating in the bible to pray is something that we find in the bible to repeat verses is something that we find in the bible to meditate and to think upon the word of God is something we find in the Bible. To be mindful and to think about the goodness and the, the grace of God and the beauty that he has given is something that we find in the Bible. And I believe that what Satan has done is he's taken that which is good that God has given us and he's gone and he's introduced certain bad elements in it. And he's introduced it into a context where we as Christians cannot partake of those practices. But in the Christian context, we do partake of prayer and repetitive verses where we sit down, like we said yesterday, where the Bible says that we, we, 
we take the verses of Christ and we write them on our doorposts, we repeat them to our children, we recite them, we, we memorize them, not to put ourselves in a trance or to somehow, you know, fend off evil or something like that. But we repeat them. Why? Because it's encouraging passages where we claim the promises of God by repeating them. It is something that, that allows us to become fully rooted in God's truth so that we can find strength in difficult times while we are in this world. So I recommend that when we are exposed to these various types of beliefs in the world, to realize that there might be truth in them. And if there is truth in them, to go and see if the truth is found in the Bible. Um, you will notice that in many of my talks that I do, that I highlight the underlying spiritual practices and meanings and methods that are found in other religions. Um, for example, to meditate, to be mindful, to say a repetitive verse or something like that. And the clinical world has found some benefit in these. And they've extracted them um, because they deem them helpful. And it is my purpose in the talks that I do to show you that the clinical world, if they were more open to the Bible and to God's truth, that they would find those same helpful, beneficial practices in the Word of God um, without the harmful parts. And that those things that, that we are extracting from all these other religions and practices and whatever it may be has its origin actually in the Bible, but not in the way that the world practices it. We practice it in the biblical way. We do um, meditation in the way that the Bible says, meditating upon the word of God. We do mindfulness in the way that the Bible recommends it, where we, where we think upon the things and the beauty of this world and we learn certain lessons from it. And we do certain prayers and repetitions in the way that the Bible recommends it so that we can appreciate the promises of God and strengthen our souls through them, not to be in some kind of trance or ward of evil spirits. And it is my purpose to show you that the Bible is really beneficial for us in every single way that we can. And it doesn't have the harmful parts that is out there in the world. But you see, we often know that which the world recommends. And this is why I always start which is in the world. What does the world have? And to show you that even though the world has some good, that the best that you can find is in the word of God. I'm not saying we should discard what psychology teaches. Um, we should definitely stay away from those things which are completely contrary to the word of God. But just like the Bible recommends, that we should test everything that is out there. We should hold on to what's good and discard that what is bad. And truly, as we do this, we will come to realize that God has given us everything that we need for life, for health, for happiness in this world, as well as for the world to come. And my prayer for you today is, is that if there has been confusion, that I hope that this talk has cleared up the confusion and that we will understand that although there are good things in the world out there, that, um, that we must hold on to God's word as the absolute truth and the absolute way of where we we can find healing or at least test healing that is available to us in the world out there. May God bless you and may you stay safe. The Pastoral Counseling Department of the NCSA invites you to join our daily mental health devotions. You can subscribe by WhatsApping the word YES to plus 27836584296. Broadcasts will be sent out directly to your phone each morning at 8 a.m. Topics are centered on biblical and psychological guidance to achieve good mental health and a balanced lifestyle despite the trials and crises of life. 
If you are interested in receiving these daily WhatsApp audio devotions straight to your phone, then WhatsApp the word YES to plus 27836584296. And now, may your darkness turn to light as the Son of Righteousness rises with healing in His wings.